Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good evening, I'm Chua Tian Tian with your Market View. Now, it's both the end of the week and the start of the second half of 2022. And it's also time for some investors to recalibrate their portfolios for the rest of the year. And on that note, we do see a raft of economic data from the US this week, which has provided and will continue to provide clues on how the economy is faring amid the Fed's aggressive rate hike cycle. And joining me to take stock of the week, we have Jeff Ng, Senior Currency Analyst at MUFG on the line. Hi, Mr. Ng. Great to have you back on our show. Uh, Mr. Ng, let's start with some of those questions. We saw the US durable goods order exceed forecasts, suggesting that the business investment so far remains firm, even in the face of rising interest rates. So to what extent was this within expectations? And what does it say about the resilience of the US economy? I think overall, if we look at the 0.7% month-on-month growth, we see that the capital spending momentum is uh, fairly broad-based. And I think overall, it refers to an upbeat investment outlook with uh, some incentives to invest in labor-saving equipment due to the tightness of the labor market in the U.S. at the moment. I think going forward in the U.S. economy, we may see uh, some shifts in in the economy because so far, the goods uh, spending has been more than uh, pre-pandemic, whereas the services have lagged. So we see that the spending on goods may start to moderate, whereas the services may start to pick up. So I think that will likely affect the business environment in the U.S. uh, towards, I think, a more services-oriented growth rather than a more manufacturing one uh, previously. Hmm. In that case, what would then be the underlying implications on the U.S. economy going forward? Yeah, I I think in terms of the, the business momentum in the U.S., the overall outlook over the next 18 months mm. is for slowdown because after recovery from the pandemic and also a very strong growth that was supported by easy monetary mm-hmm. policy, now the US is tightening and increasing interest rates. So that will mean that uh, the businesses as well as consumers now face higher interest rates and uh, they will likely have to rein in their spending going forward. So we are likely to see some slowdown in uh, US overall economic growth, even though I think some components like the investment outlook still looks relatively okay, but the, the, the consumption side may start to moderate going forward. Hmm, speaking of moderating consumption, another piece of key information that uh, investors are closely watching out for is the May's personal consumption expenditure PCE data, and in particular, the PCE deflator, which gives a gauge of inflation. What does the figure mean for the US Fed, and how likely is a 75 basis point hike? Yeah, I think from the personal consumption expenditure as well as the deflator numbers, what we noted was that uh, there was a dip in real spending. Mm -hmm. So adjusted for inflation, in fact, the momentum for consumption has uh, dropped. Because even though the personal income has been still growing, Mm. but there's uh, now some cautiousness uh, from the US consumers ahead of uh, all this increase in interest rates and and such. I think overall, uh, the PC deflator, which uh, was also slightly... Um, within expectations, but uh, maybe a bit below expectations. Mm. So uh, it's still showing that uh, price pressures are still relatively high. If you look at the headline numbers, it's uh, 6.3% year-on-year, whereas the core number is 4.7%. 
So I think given that, uh, for example, the real interest rate in the U.S. continue to be negative with uh, the inflation rate higher than the, the interest rate, mm. I, I think it's still very likely that we see a 75 uh, basis point rate hike in the upcoming July meeting, uh, perhaps another 50 basis point in the September meeting before I think they start to take stock of uh, how these recent increases in interest rates have started to move uh, inflation and growth rates before making further moves going forward. Mm, I see. And on the note of consumer spending, right, uh, let's take a look at Eurozone. We see the consumer price inflation data for June also coming out today out of the Eurozone. To what extent will this be within expectations? Yeah, I think overall the numbers are still more than 8% on a year-on-year basis, so Mm. that's very high. And it's very comparable compared to the situation that we have observed in the US as well. Uh, But the conditions uh, arising from Eurozone inflation is a little bit different from that of the US. Mm. Uh, I I think the issue with uh, Europe inflation is that it is affected by more limited energy energy supplies uh, due to the ongoing Russia-Ukraine conflict. And that's pushing up all the energy prices uh, at, at this stage. So I think going forward, uh, given that uh, the inflation is also re- relatively high, uh, the European Central Bank will also look towards uh, increasing their interest rate. But of course, uh, the, the, the fact is that this could be a bit more supply-side driven rather than more demand-side driven in the US. Mm, and Mr. Ng, I want to pick up on a point that you mentioned on the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the oil prices because G7 economies earlier they have stated that they are looking at further sanctions on Russia, including a cap on oil prices. Some are saying that it's not going to be effective because Russia could further cut those oil supplies. So what are your thoughts? How would that affect inflation in Europe if implemented? Yeah, so overall, what the G7 is considering is uh, to have a cap on oil prices, a a ceiling for some of the uh, financial services, insurance and and, uh, shipping companies that, for example, use uh, some of this uh, Russian oil. Uh, but I think when you have this cap on oil prices, this may curb the potential revenue from uh, for Russia. So the, the threat is that Russia may also have uh, some retaliation, cutting off uh, gas uh, supplies. And whenever supply is uh, disrupted, uh, consumers will have to fork up more and more in order to ensure that uh, the, they, they get their, their, their supplies. So I think going forward, it will mean that uh, the inflation uh, picture in, in Europe still looks pretty much uh, precarious and perhaps uh, driven a little bit, bit more by supply-side policies or government policies going forward. Mm, so you're on the camp that that would drive out, further drive out inflation and oil prices in a, in a way, right? I think for us, we mm. do believe that there could be some further increases in oil prices, mm-hmm. especially in the third quarter of, of the year, because uh, there could be still some holding in terms of you know uh, a lot of these uh, economies needing to keep some of these supplies in order to manage their inventories going forward, and uh, this may bring about some higher oil prices in the third quarter before oil prices start to moderate in the fourth quarter. Mm. If you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Jeff Ng, senior currency analyst at MUFG. Now, Mr. Ng, earlier the ECB president Christine Lagarde says the central bank is ready to move faster on rates if needed. So, how likely is an aggressive rate hike in your opinion? Extremely likely in our view. Mm-hmm. So I think market expectations now are looking at a 50 basis point or 75 basis point rate hike, which is huge because usually all these central banks only hike in increments of 25 basis points. So they, they usually take their time to, to change it meeting after meeting by 20, uh, 25 basis point every single time. So this means it's about two or three times faster than what the usual pace is. And I think an aggressive pace could be 
100 basis point. I think we've talked mm. about real interest rates and mm. with inflation at 8 or 9% and a real interest rate, uh, nominal interest rates uh, at around 0%, it means that uh, there's a lot to move before you close the gaps mm. to zero. On the whole, given those volatilities, how should investors calibrate their portfolios at the moment as we enter the second half of the year? Yeah, I think there's likely some volatility ahead and uh, this will impact on FX markets, for instance, which I look at it uh, quite uh, a fair bit. I think what we've noted is that there's been some dollar strength over the past uh, few months because uh, the, the U.S. interest rate has been rapidly rising and expectations uh, are for the U.S. to continue increasing their interest rate. So uh, there's been more interest for investors to park their, their funds there to, to enjoy the higher interest rates. But we do look for some reversals in the, in the coming year. I think on one hand, we also have uh, some of the Asian central banks looking to hike their, their, their policy rates. And we also talk about how the U.S. could potentially experience a slowdown. The picture is, I think, slightly uh, better in Asia with uh, China likely to experience a a recovery. Mm. And also, I think other parts of Asia still looking uh, at growing uh, at relatively strong levels like Indonesia and and Malaysia. So I think that could mean that, uh, you know, Asia continues to be one of a a solid pillar for GDP growth over the next one, two years, despite all this uh, potential volatility globally. Mm. And since, Mr. Ng, you have been tracking the currency markets very closely, I just want to ask, in terms of foreign currency, any trends you're seeing and which currencies should investors be holding on to now? In terms of what we have been looking at over the, the, the past uh, few months, we have been relatively optimistic on the Singapore dollar, uh, mm. despite the fact that uh, the Singapore dollar may have uh, weakened a little bit against the US dollar. Uh, but I think it remains relatively strong compared to other currencies like the, the, the ringgit uh, and uh, the yen and the CNY, for, for instance, uh, owing to the fact that inflation is uh, relatively high and there's a chance that the central bank continues uh, with uh, tightening monetary policy. At the same time, I think we are optimistic on the Thai baht in the, in the coming year mm. as tourism normalizes and I think the, the economy continues to, to rebound from uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, even though there could be some downside mm. risk due to all this volatility going on. In contrast, I think we are a bit more pessimistic on the Indian rupee as well as mm. the Philippines peso due to the high inflation levels. And uh, perhaps uh, their currency still looks relatively uh, you know, uh, resilient on a real effective uh, exchange rate basis. So potentially, there could be some upside move for dollar INR as well as dollar peso. Thank you very much, Mr. Ng. That was Jeff Ng, Senior Currency Analyst at MUFG. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.